Ephesians chapter 3. I am. I also just want to say, I look up here and I see some of our military uh, that have loaned uh, uniforms and some of their things that I, I think may still be set up in the foyer. They were Friday night. And uh, such a tremendous uh, thing that they have done in connecting with our youth through this program. And then Sister Kathy McDonald um, painted this incredible picture. And uh, I was sitting here. If you would have heard the lesson that went along with that picture Friday night, it was mind-blowing. I think we need to take about four Wednesdays and have my wife come in and teach the lesson that she started on, when, on Friday night. Uh, but I was sitting over here on the side, and I looked up at that picture. And for a few minutes, I thought that there were moving stars on that picture. And uh, it looked like the stars were moving, and I was sitting there. And surely that she couldn't paint a picture that the stars would move. But I think... It, it just looked that way to me. Ephesians, the third chapter. This is a dead crowd this morning. The stars are moving on the picture. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verse 17. I'm glad to have the youth in this morning. About 9.30, I found out they were going to be in, and I said, oh my, I'm not really teaching or preaching this morning something that's geared toward youth. I'll try to modify. And so I thought I would teach something or preach something this morning that would be uh, of interest to our youth. So I thought I would speak on the subject, something that's very important to them, L-O-V-E, see if that gets their attention, it's the best I had, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17, that, the, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ. Everybody say, know the love of Christ. Which passeth knowledge. Everybody say, it passes knowledge. That ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. How can you know what surpasses knowledge? So I'm going to speak for a little bit on the incomprehensible love of Christ. Now the Apostle Paul, here in this text, um, begins to challenge the church in Ephesus, to know the love of Christ. Now, the, when the challenge is made to know, that means there must be some ability for you to be able to comprehend, to be able to grasp, to be able to put within your uh, the matter of your brain the memory and the understanding and the clarity 
related to the subject by which you have been challenged to know. So to know the love of Christ, but then he goes on to say that it passes knowledge. So he has challenged us to know something that exceeds our capability to truly understand. Now that's a little interesting, isn't it? How can you know what is so great and so grand that it exceeds our ability to be able to fully comprehend? So as I begin to study and look into this text, what I drew from this text is that it is incomprehensible to the human mind. Everybody say, I can't understand it, but I can know it. Therein lies the difference. It is that we are unable to fully understand it, but we can know it. Now how can you know what you cannot fully understand? It is that the love of Christ exceeds our capability of being able to truly, truly understand. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Now this helps us to springboard into this text a little deeper as we look at this to recognize that human understanding of love is shallow in comparison to the depth of the love of Christ. When we exceed the subject matter of love, the love of Christ continues. It extends, it goes beyond what our physical ability, our mental capacity is to be able to comprehend, yet it goes beyond that. We, we cannot understand it, but yet we, we know it. The Apostle Paul uses this analogy in other scriptures where he says things such as, such as for we know that all things works together for the good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. And for many, many years I have tried to understand that scripture and, and, and tried to understand how that everything that happens to us, how I can explain it. Until the Lord gave me a little revelation in that text to, to recognize that He didn't say you would understand it. He said you would know it. So there are some things that we cannot understand, but yet we can know. While things bad things happen to good people, I don't understand. I, I can't comprehend it. Why babies... Uh, are, are stricken with sickness. I, I don't understand it. I, I can try to offer words of comfort. I can try to, to, to help people. I can, I can try to speak words, but they just seem to always come up short. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? When somebody's going through a great trial and you're trying to speak to them and talk to them, yet your words seem to come up shallow, come up short, and you're thinking, my, I wish, I, I wish there's more I could do, yet there is something that in me that just says, I know that God's got this thing. 
But while our finite, finite minds are unable to grasp it, to put our hands on it, to wrap our brains around it, there is something in our spirit, in the infinite wisdom of God that says God has everything in control. And so while we try to wrap our finite minds around the idea of the love of Christ and we, we try to, to correlate it with, with our actions and with our love and the way that we love one another and love our spouse or love our family and love our children and love our parents and love our dog. And, And so all of a sudden it starts looking to be very shallow. That is because the love of Christ surpasses all of those things. But yet it is something that you and I, while we do not have the, the ability to understand it, we can, however, know it. It is incomprehensible to the human mind, but it can be understood in the heart of man. Now, when I speak of the heart of man, I'm not talking about the muscle that pumps blood. I am talking about in the soul, in the very depth, in the very core of man, there is something that is within us that says, I know the love of Christ. I can know the love of Christ. Explain it to me. I'm trying, but it's going to come up short. And when I'm done with this message today, you're going to say, well, pastor did a good job trying to explain the love of Christ, but therein lies the, the, the real issue that I only tried to explain it. Because it is so far, it surpasses our understanding. It surpasses our knowledge. It surpasses our human ability to be able to speak about it or talk about it. But the love of Christ reaches beyond. That's why when you and I look at somebody and say, Well, I don't even know how could God possibly love them how could God possibly love them in the sin that they are in and we try to explain it away by saying well we're to love the sinner but we don't love the sin and God loves the sinner but God doesn't love the sin and we try to explain it away the truth is we can't explain it away because you and I lack the ability to be able to love everybody Oh no, Pastor, I love everybody. I promise you, if we go long enough at this, and if I had the time to exhaust it today, we could probably come up with somebody. But the love of Christ reaches to everybody. That's right, even into the prison cells and into the, into the depth and into the despicable sins and the, 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 the things that I wouldn't even want to talk about this morning. But we can move into the murders and we can move into the child molesters and we can say, whoa, 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 how could God? There you go. You and I struggle with what God doesn't struggle with. He, he can look at them and say, I shed enough blood to be able to, to forgive them. And you and I will say, well, I'll forgive them, but I'm sure going to keep one eye on them. The love of Christ surpasses our ability to be able to comprehend. That is the only way that one can be filled with the knowledge of God is to know the incomprehensible love of God. Because there is so much to know about God that you will never understand it. 
Look at your neighbor and tell them you can't understand it. There's so much to know about God that you will never be able to understand it, yet you will know it. How do you know it? You know it by faith. That's why the scripture begins, without faith it is impossible to please Him because there's some things about God that you just have to receive and expect, accept by faith and say, I, I don't understand it, I can't, I'm trying to comprehend it, but all I know is by faith the Word of God says it and I will stand upon it. In the Gospel of John, Jesus asked Peter three times, if he loved him. In the original language, he cl clarifies what the English language leaves out. In the English language, King James Version, he just asked him if you love him. And three times it says, do you love me? In the original, there's three different terms and three different phrases that comes back. The, the basic meaning of the English word loves comes from many different sources with several variations of meaning. I gave you a little sample of that a few moments ago. Basically, the verb means having a strong emotional attachment or a desire to possess or to be in the presence of an object. But the Bible points out six basic forms of the meaning of the word love. There is the love of things that is defined in the original text. There is, there is the strong emotional attachment or, des uh, or desire fixed on objects, circumstances, actions, or relationships. You can look at somebody and say, man, I love your car. There's a strong attachment, a respect, or a loyalty from a subordinate to a superior. Therein we can love somebody that is over us. We can love, we can love someone that we are serving. That's why in the scripture where it talked about the servant and the master or the Lord that I talked about on Wednesday night, the servant was to love his master. That is a certain element of, of a subordinate uh, loving a superior and then there is the love between parents and children that is defined in scripture and that is a certain kind of love that only a parent or a child can truly understand and then the love there is the love and close attachment to a brother or a friend to love someone like a brother or to love someone like a friend is another attachment and that is another word that is defined in scripture and then there are the sexual desires of men and women and that word is used as love such as an emotion to be desired to marry or to care for the object of your love in some instance it may signify no more than pure lust or an inordinate desire of sexual relations with an object. And so there is another. And then there is finally the sixth explanation of love that is given to us in Scripture and that is the love of God. And the only thing that we can use to define the love of God is the word constraining. It is a constraining love or it is a tying love. It is a love that, that connects two together in a way that it cannot be broken. Jesus asked Peter the first time, do you love me like a friend? Peter responds, yes, Lord. And then the second time in the original language, he, he asked him, do you love me like a brother? And he says, yes. 
the third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me with the love of God? And Peter becomes upset and he said, Lord, you knowest whether I do or not. That's because the love of God is more powerful than any other form of love, any other word that could be used. And so on the third time, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He asked him a word that he knew Jesus had the ability to discern. And so when he asked him, Peter said, I'm not even going to answer you because because you already know the answer to what I'm saying. Do I love you with the innermost, with my innermost being? I could ask you this morning, would you stand and let the Lord know that you love Him? And we stand and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that because we need to hear ourselves say that we love Him. But Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Before you ever speak the word, God already knows whether you love Him or whether you don't love Him. He's already looked me on the surface humanistic value of the, of, of the simple word love and he's looked beyond it and he's looked at the heart of man and he says by your life I know whether you love me or whether you don't love me the way you live is defining your love for me that love of God is more powerful than any kind of love that anybody could ever know or understand because while we know that we love God we cannot truly define it or explain it because as Paul says in Ephesians in our text today it is it surpasses knowledge it surpasses knowledge But yet it is a binding love that cannot be broken. We know that no matter what we do and where we go, that God still loves us. We fall into sin. He loves us. While we were yet sinners, He loved us. When we make a mistake, God loves you. When you fail God, He loves you. When you turn your back on Him, He loves you. When you fail Him, He loves you. When you forget to pray, He loves you. When you get upset with the church, He loves you loves you. When you decide to go your own way, He loves you. We struggle with that. But He surpasses understanding and He loves those who to us would be unlovable. Yet there is a bond built because it's the love of Christ. There is a bond that is built between humanity and God. That is a constraining love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that the love of Christ constraineth us. It is the love of Christ that constraineth us. The love of God has power to constrain us or to tie us or to hold us. I've talked to so many people that... That, that seemed to serve the Lord with the attitude. Spencer had a conversation with me this morning on the way to church. And it was a discussion that he had. And the, and the questions asked is, what is required? What do I have to do? Uh, how little can I give and still get by? 
And so we live with this mentality. This is a human, this is a human thing. What is required out of me if I'm going to serve the Lord? What is required out of me? What do I have to do? Or, or how little can I do and still get by? And these are old Testament concepts and an Old Testament mentality instead of thinking in a New Testament relationship. In the Old Testament, man tried to live by law. The law was a record of rules. The law created strict guidelines for people to live by. The law created a certain standard that was to be regulated. The law mandated a particular lifestyle. The law handed down directives and required participation. The law enforced commandments. The law demanded obedience and ensured swift judgment to the disobedient but what the law could not do is the law could not restore man to right relationship only the love of Christ could restore fallen humanity back to right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ I come here this morning to tell somebody that you can try every way you want to nothing wrong with trying but I want you to know it is the love of Christ that is going to tie you to the church and tie you to him only love can bring a man into right relationship it's not about what I have to do it's that I love him so much that there's not anything that I would not do it is that I care for him so much and love him so much that if I feel like it pleases him then I'm going to just do what pleases him anybody with me this morning So in our lifestyle of separation and holiness and godliness and serving God, we must move away from the whole idea. Pastor, tell me what I got to do. Tell me how far I can go or cannot go. And let's move into an arena of the love of Christ that says I love him so much that there's nothing that he could ask of me in his word or through his spirit that I would not do because I want to please him more than I want to please anybody else in this life. Right relationship eradicates the need for demands and directives and laws. Right relationship says that if you love him, you automatically keep his commandments. It is a constraining love that brings us into right relationship with him. There is nothing that I would not do for my family. I'll supply their needs. I would lay down my life for my family. There is not too much that you could ask because I love them. But there are times that I fail them. Often not out of not out of intention, but I may fail them. Out of ignorance, they need something that I don't know they need. Maybe while I'm trying to provide and put, pay the bills and put food on the table, what they're needing more is they're needing the gift of time. They're needing the gift of conversation. And so there's ways that I fail them. But God will never fail you. You see, loving and giving are related. It's all a matter of the heart. 
Whenever God was ready to reveal the magnitude of His love toward humanity, He did so by the magnitude of His gift on Calvary. There is a great correlation between our love and our giving, our love and our commitment, our love and our faithfulness. Everything we do for God has to do with love and relationship, not laws and requirements. Obedience to God's word and his law is for our benefit. It's not for God's benefit. Obedience to the word of God benefits us. It doesn't benefit God. The only thing that God gets out of everything we do is through our praise and worship. It goes up to him as a sweet smelling savor in the nostrils of God. Everything else that we do is for our benefit. It's keeping us from harm. When you ask me why I live the way I do, why I pray, why I fast, why I come to church three times a week and every time there's a revival service or a special service, and if I say it's because it's what I have to do, I have just made it a matter of rules or a matter of law or a matter of requirements. But if I say it is because I want to please Him, I have made it a matter of love. That way I am not doing it because I have to. I am doing it because I love Him and I think this is what will please Him. Is this making any sense to you? My Lord have mercy, i got to hurry. I'm just a few minutes away from having to close. We are obedient because it pleases Him. Oh, I gotta, I gotta skip over, a, I gotta skip over a few things. Jesus said it like this: "When you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me." He's talking about our relationship within the church and within our community and when people are in need, when we do it unto them, that we are doing it unto Him. It speaks of our tithing, our offerings, and our giving. And the Scripture says that when we give, we don't give because we are required to do so. We must do it as though we are giving unto Him. That when we pay tithing on earth, He receives it in heaven. So I wouldn't want to neglect doing something that would give God glory and give God praise. That's why we must be careful to not neglect Him. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He didn't have to. That was prophesied that He would understand. But all He actually had to do was die. He didn't have to be nailed to the cross. That was very cruel. All that was required was he to be tied to the cross. He would have still died. He didn't have to be beaten on his back with, with 39 stripes. That didn't, he didn't have to do that. He did that for our benefit. Therein shows the love of Christ. He went beyond what was required and he did things for us because when he looks at the nail prints in his hand, don't have time to explain it all this morning, but when he looks at the nail prints in his hand, when Zion says, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me, he said, tell, tell Zion, tell the church, behold, I have not forgotten thee, but I have graven thee in the palms of my hand. That way when you think God's forgotten who you you are. Hey, he was nailed to the cross to let you know I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm reminded of you every day until I return for my bride. I'm reminded of who you are. Right, right, 
When you're sick and afflicted and not getting well and you think, God doesn't know where I am. He says, I was bruised for their transgressions. I was wounded for their transgressions, bruised for their iniquities. The chastisement of of their peace uh, was upon me. And by his stripes we are healed. Notice everything that he did. He was wounded for our, everybody say our, transgressions. He was bruised for iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. See, everything that he did, he did for you and I. Therein is shows the love of Christ that everything that happens in your life, he's doing it for your good because he loves you, because he cares for you, because he's trying to get you saved. The Lord Jesus Christ is more interested in you making heaven and you being saved than he is you feeling good. So whatever he has to put us through to get us saved, know it's the love of Christ that is bringing me through this and keeping me through this and taking me through this because he loves me too much to let me be lost I gotta close this morning sorry Gentry don't ag me on too much I feel a lot of preach on me this morning the law couldn't touch a man's heart But the love of God can. You better come give them hope and shut me down. Mm. The law couldn't change a man's mind. It enforced his actions. But his mind and his heart says, I still want to do it. The teacher says, sit down, young man. He sat down. A few minutes he stood back up. She said, sit down. A few minutes he stood back up. She said, sit down. The third time she said, sit down. If you get back up again, he sat down and looked at her. And she said, did you say something, young man? He said, no, ma'am, but I thought it. She said, what did you think, young man? He said, I may be sitting down, but I'm standing up in my heart. The law can mandate, this is what you got to do. But the heart says, "I'm, I'm really, really not there. See, I'm living it out in some fictitious matter. I'm, I'm, I'm fooling everybody around me by my life, and I'm, I'm tricking everybody, making everybody think that I'm doing all these things. That is the evilness of law. But the love of Christ says, doesn't really matter what anybody thinks of me. I want to know what he thinks of me. I want to please him in everything that I do. If my pleasing him bothers you, I'm sorry, but I'm going to please him. If my hallelujah offends you, I'm sorry. i got to say hallelujah it, because it pleases him. I'm not doing it to offend you, but it pleases him. Don't be offended, please. If my hand clap offends you, I'm sorry, but it pleases him. Whatever pleases him is what I want to do. Because the law couldn't restore my broken relationship with God back together. But the love of Christ constrains us. And I close with this concept, this idea, and I brought it to you before. I'll bring it to you again this morning. The constraining love of Christ. What tied him to the cross? It wasn't the nails that put him there. He could have called 10,000 angels to have taken him down. It wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It was his love for you and I. And there's no amount of rules and regulations 
What you have to do and don't have to do is going to tie you to the church. But the same love that tied him to the cross is what ties us to the church. It says, I please him. That's all I care about. If I'm pleasing him. Stand with me this morning if you're able. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed today. Do you know the love of Christ? Didn't ask if you understood it. Do you know the love of Christ today? Are you walking in the love of Christ today? Is he working in your life? Is he ministering the strength and the help that you need every day in your life? Is he showing the love to you? Are you misunderstanding the things that you go through in life? Are you recognizing that everything he's doing, he's doing for you. He's doing for your good.